0: Good advice for those in the midst of difficult times, coming up today on Abounding Grace. Peter says in the midst of trial and trouble where the temptation to go backwards is
1: higher, we need to press in harder. And then he lays it out. Well, I don't even know what that means. That just sounds like Bible talk. Okay, make sure that your mind's protected. Be a man or woman, read your Bible every day, and then be sober, self-explanatory, and then rest your hope. Not on man, institutions, paychecks, thing. on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said he's coming back. Trust him. Obey like a child. Trusting your dad, your mom. Don't go backwards to your former sins.
0: This is amazing grace. in search of god's encouragement and instruction for the difficult seasons of life right now on abounding grace set aside the next half hour as we dig into first peter and learn why holiness is vital when we're in a trial when we're suffering we can go in one of two directions we can pull away from the lord or we can draw closer to him i bet you can guess which of the two peter is about to suggest He didn't wait long to get into the subject of holiness when he wrote to the suffering saints, and we'll see why that is as we move along. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor in chapter 1, starting at verse 14. You see our nation, You, you see our city, our state,
1: you see the condition of how people live and express themselves, the twisted perversity of man, the horrible tragedies of sin all around us. Many of us live, we were a part of the problem before we were born again. It's not a statement to point the finger, it's a statement to understand the need of the church in a community. Not a physical location, but the church. Men and women that love Jesus Christ and love their neighbors themselves. The church. Yeah, you see the condition of the way things are going. You compare that to the Word of God and you just shake your head. But here's your answer. Gird up the loins of your mind. Stay sober and rest your hope fully upon the That will move you to action in community. It won't move you to isolation. It'll move you to action. And that hope doesn't remove us from the world, even though at times we want that. You might even express that. It's like, I'm just, I need out. I want out. And many people are moving to other states because they're more conservative People are there. Don't worry about it. Sin is going to show you. Sin going to show up whatever state you move to. And if the Lord's moving you a part of the church, then you're there as the church in that state. But don't think for a moment, unless there's a national revival, that they're going to be different people in the next state, the next city, wherever you might be. Because the issue in life today in our culture is a sin issue. And the only remedy for sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. You could say the same thing in your family and you, maybe you're here today, you're watching, listening to me from a distance. And that, the the issue of all you've, doctors that have tried to diagnose it and all the, the people that have come into your life. I'll tell you right now, the issue in your life is a sin issue. That's it. And if you will come to God humbly, repent of your sins, He will fix the sin issue in your life. He will change you. From the inside out. All the things that you're trying to do under the weight of the trouble. You can't run away from trouble. Trouble has a way of following you wherever you go. Because we're in this world. We're not of it. Notice verse 14. Again, he continues. These are, this is advice in the midst of difficult times. This is the way to stand strong. As obedient children... Not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you as holy, you also be holy in all your conduct." So here, this is how you're to live, church, as obedient kids. Every parent would understand this phrase and what they're looking for in their children. Obedience. Not lip, not backtalk, not disobedience, not dishonesty, not shortcuts. But as we're raising our kids, we just want them to trust us. Just trust me. You're not going to, even if I explain to you why I'm asking you, you wouldn't want to do it still. Just trust me. And how often have you felt that way with God, the Father, that He doesn't explain to you why He tells you, just trust me. Like, for example, some of you were rubbed the wrong way with this exhortation the Bible has to be sober. And you go, why should I be sober? I have freedom. I can just trust God. Would you just trust Him at His word? Trust him. It's better. Especially you younger people that have never moved in that direction. Never followed that temptation. You're going to get it at school. You're going to get tempted. Somebody's going to offer you something. I remember a time I was just out of seventh grade. Sixth grade to seventh grade when I was offered alcohol for the first time. Just say no. Trust me. Well, explain it to me, Ed. I'm not. My whole rotten, wicked, sinful life before I was saved is an explanation. Just stay away from it. Maybe I won't stay away, but you don't explain. Don't. Just trust me. You'll save yourself a lot of heartache and a lot of pain and a lot of difficulty. And then, not, not just you, but everyone that loves you and cares for you, just stay sober. You know, that's the admonition to you children still and you young people still living under your parents' roof. Just trust them. They don't need to explain everything to you. Just trust them. Because one day, Lord willing, you have your own kids. And you'll be sitting there going, I'm not, t- I'm not explaining. Just do it. I don't have time to explain it for you. I don't have time to lay it all out for you. Even though there is a relationship, right? So there's enough in your parents' life that you can trust them. And there's enough in our father's life that we can trust him. Apart from God, notice, people are living a lustful life, it says in verse 14. Many of them in ignorance. A person who lives apart from Jesus has no idea what kind of life they could have. They're blinded spiritually. There's a whole beautiful world that you don't have any idea about until you come to know Jesus Christ personally. Until you're born again. You never really understand. 1 John 3 verse 1. Oh behold what manner of love the Father has. You just don't understand until you come to Him. Until you experience it. But the life that we're to live in this world is obedient. children, not rebellious children. Not always trying to get our own way. Not always going against the grain. Of course, with the culture, there are decisions we have to make that are always going to go against the grain, but as obedient children to the Father. Obedient children. So he says, now that you know about the love of God, don't live as if you don't know the love of God. Don't live as if you don't. It's a forward walk, not a backward retreat. This is the love of Jesus Christ worked out and walked out among us as believers. That we wouldn't be filled with fighting and frustration and backbiting and gossip and all that junk. It's just not from the Lord. We live as obedient children. We're not going to live the way, we're not going to conform, like be shaped the way what we were delivered out of. I know for a fact, no doubt about it, if this weekend service is Saturday night, that I came here and I was dropped down drunk. Me. Pastor Ed, I know that if I arrived here at church dropped down drunk, the room would be very disappointed in me and very concerned. I would lose credibility and respect. If not some of it, all of it. Oh, not only would I show up drop dead drunk, but I drove here, and I came up to the pulpit kind of, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, how'd you get here? Oh, I drove here, and I almost hit this, bird, And and I know each layer. That, that would be, that was the old Ed. That was the old Ed. That's how I lived my life. So much so that on some of those episodes, I was taken off the street for the safety of others by a faithful police officer or two in the communities I grew up in. You see, there is a life apart from Christ and there's a life in Christ. And the two are very different. And don't think for a moment that it's only Ed. If I showed up and my old Ed and my old life and, and I start to describe all kinds of sinful behavior, but oh, hey, go, to, you know, after that, uh, pick up your Bibles and, and open them. I don't even know how long it would take before half the room leaves. The other half of the room comes to help and is so concerned and many no longer trusting in God because I conform myself to my old life and I went backwards so let me ask you, why would you expect that of your pastor, but not live that way yourself? Why would it be such a shock to you if I came up and then you'd find another church and you'd vote me out and you'd fire me and try to get me help and you'd never follow me again and have no credibility? I'm not say you wouldn't love me and have grace toward me, but it's like, no, that guy's not, I'm not following him anymore. Why is it such a scandal to you that for me to show up like that, but for you, it's not that big a deal? Now, of course, I have a stricter judgment. I have more responsibility. Set that aside. Let's just do it as believers here. Well, why conforming to your old lusts and your own sinful lifestyle? Why, why, why is that okay? In not living an obedient life, and instead you are in a disobedient life. Why would that be okay for you? But it's not okay for me. And the truth is, of course, it's not okay for us. It doesn't matter what role you have in the church. Peter says, in the midst of trial and trouble, where the temptation to go backwards is higher, we need to press in harder. When the temptation to go backwards is higher, we need to learn to press in harder to the things of God. And then he lays it out. Well, I don't even know what that means. It sounds like Bible talk. Okay, make sure that your mind's protected. Be a man or woman. Read your Bible every day. And then be sober, self-explanatory. And then rest your hope. Not on man, institutions, paychecks. On the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said he's coming back. Trust him. Verse 14, obey. Obey like a child. Trusting your dad, your mom. Don't go backwards to your former sins. That's not your your life anymore. Instead now, verse 15, be holy. (laughs) As your father in heaven is holy. Be holy in all your conduct be holy in all that you do which at this point most people just kind of check out and go holy holy cow I can't be holy holy and even some people you know they'll look at a church and they'll accuse you of being a holy roller whatever that is and they'll accuse you of being holier than thou whatever definition they mean but holy is a very simple word do you know what made something holy in the Old Testament? Do you know what makes something holy even in this building here? In the Old Testament, something that was made holy, or something that some ordinary vessel, bowl, or a cup, or a spoon, or a laver, something that was ordinary was made holy by the sprinkling of the blood of the sacrifice. Holy simply means set apart. I'm certain that in your kitchen, you have certain instruments, you have certain bowls and cups and pitchers, that although you don't use this language, you say that they're holy. They're holy. They're set apart for a specific purpose. They're not your everyday use. You know, we have everyday use dishes that are in, but there are also dishes that are set apart that we don't use every day, that we only use on holidays. They're special. You could say that they're holy. They're set apart for a specific use. And in the Old Testament, something that was normal and common was set apart by the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. We learn, we're going to learn this in Hebrews chapter 12 as we study on in verse 22 through 24. There's a sprinkling of blood making things better available. And so don't think of it, I can't ever be holy. I don't want to be holy. I'll never be perfect. No, he's saying you need to be holy and set apart in all your conduct you got to think about God when you make a decision. Think about God when you open your mouth. Think about God when you go to work. You think about God when you're driving. You think about God when you're speaking. And all your conduct, you do as unto the Lord. And how do you set apart? You remember that you've been set apart by the blood of Jesus Christ. You're different. You've been born again. At least you say you have. That you've repented of your sins. You were ordinary until you were set aside and set apart by the Lamb of God. Jesus set us apart, and your behavior is to be set apart, to be reflective of him. Again, using your house as an example, if I came to your house, I would follow your rules. I hope. I'd respect you. If there's something that I do in my home that's uncomfortable with you doing in your home, and you ask me not to... If I have a good relationship with you, I won't. Like, I wouldn't just walk into your house, go right to your refrigerator, take your gallon of milk out, and drink it from the the gallon. I'm not allowed to do that at our house either, but I certainly wouldn't be able to do it in your house. I'm going to respect you. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to adapt myself to your house. I'm going to be thinking of you more than I think of myself. Matter of fact, I would not just walk in. Depending on our relationship, I wouldn't just walk up to your refrigerator. I would ask you permission. Or perhaps I'd ask you if I could have something to drink. And then you would say, well, let me serve you. And I would, I would say, okay, that's fine. I don't need to go into your, to your refrigerator or your kitchen. I'll go where you invite me. Because I'm going to be set apart in your home. And I'm going to live according to your rules. And I'm going to honor you. Why? Because I love you. Not because I have to, but because I love you. I have some sort of relationship with you. I mean, we have these these in our minds where even among one another, it's like kind of like backwards. We'll love one another more than we'll love God. But that's not the order. The order is love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Then we love our neighbors ourselves. And we remember now as being born again men and women, we are set apart in God's house. And it's for his purposes that we live so you can be holy in all your conduct. Your life can please God. You can make wise choices. You can be obedient like a child or like a young... You, you can be obedient to whoever's in authority over your life. You can be by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you must be. Listen, this is where we close. You can be, but you must be when times get tough. You think times are hard now. Try to approach... Difficult times disobediently. Under the influence of some substance. Unholy, unrighteous. Not caring a thing about Jesus Christ or his soon return. Not placing your hope in anything that that is not living a separated life. You think the trial is hard now. Go ahead and go into the headwind of the trial. A rebellious, backslidden believer. It's going to be harder. Because pride will only... Make things harder. It's much better to humble yourselves. And so we've done this in great depth, but for the sake of you guys taking notes, I want to give you eight questions to ask when you're making a decision. We've used this in light of the freedom that God gives us according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Again, in 1 Corinthians 6:12, it says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So we have these eight questions that we can ask, and we can just think about and kind of put around. It's like, man, will this be helpful for me? Will this edify me? But we can also ask these questions when it comes to the topic of holiness. What does holiness look like? Well, you can just filter it through these questions. Number one is, what I'm about to do, will it honor God? Because if it doesn't honor God, it's not a holy decision. Number two, will this help set me apart for God's use? Like, will it, will it set me apart? Will it make me more like Him? Because if it won't, I have no business with it. It's not holy. Number three, will it help me become more useful? Will this decision I'm about to make, oh, it's all, everything's lawful. Ed, I can do whatever. I, yeah, but will it make you more useful for the kingdom of God? Because if it won't, then it's not a holy decision. Number four, will it prepare me for every good work? Will this prepare me for every good work? Because if it won't, and it's lack of preparation or it pulls me, then it's not a holy decision. Will it build me up? Number five, will it build me up spiritually? Think about that. There's a lot of things that aren't necessarily in the Bible that say they're a sin, but they're not a good decision. And I always laugh, you know, that I, I try to bring out a, a sense of, especially when marijuana was made legal in our own state, and people go, oh, I don't know, you know, the Bible says that God's given us every herb of the field. We always have somebody calling the show or coming after a service. God has given us every herb of the field, so that, then smoking pot and getting high can't be a sin because God gave it to us. You know, come on, man. If that was true, then you'd already be smoking the grass in your front yard. I don't see you doing that. God gave you that. Smoke it. Light it up. I mean, if it was everything's been given to you, then take, take poison ivy and rub it all over your body. Because God gave it to you. And it doesn't make any sense. Because the Bible is very clear. Be sober. Be sober. If it, is it going to help me? Is it going to build me up spiritually? Number six. This is a big one. Can it bring you under its power? You know, what are you about to do? Does it, does it have the possibility of bringing you under its power? Because... If it does, it's not holy. Be careful. How about number seven? Does it give you an uneasy conscience? You want more how to live a holy life? Just ask the question, is my conscience troubled by this? And maybe not even your conscience. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit saying, don't go there. Don't do that. Don't say that. How many times have we gone against our conscience by saying something stupid to someone? (laughs) He's like, no, don't, don't. Don't say it. Everything inside of you is saying, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. And you say it. And then everything turns black and white slow motion as the words are coming out of your mouth and the countenance of the person is changing and you're already regretting what you're saying before it even fully comes out of your mouth. Don't ignore your conscience and don't ignore the Holy Spirit. And then finally, in a holy decision or how to use your liberty, could it cause someone else to stumble? Could it cause? Because the Bible says, be holy in all your conduct because it's written, be holy as I'm holy. And the power of holiness is not, even, not just in our decisions. The power of holiness resides in us as we abide in Christ. These questions, whether you write them down or not, they'll give you a kind of a practical guide. But even when you don't have the practical guide, as you abide in Christ, he takes this filter
0: through everything in your life. And he'll say yay or nay to the decisions you make. And there you have eight great questions to ask when you're about to make a decision. And this is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Ed, thanks for those questions. Is there anything else you'd like to add for someone listening right now who might be wrestling over a big decision they need to make? Maybe it's whether to accept a job offer or pack their bags and move.
1: You know, those are big decisions, aren't they, Larry? They come to us all. And we were talking about that today today. Uh, on my podcast, as I was recording our, our podcast here with Pastor Bob Claycamp, he was sharing about the big move that he made from leaving uh, his church in Phoenix, Arizona, and launching off into the mission field, and planting a church, and ministering to a church in Exeter, England, and, and he, was, he was sharing with us uh, how he laid it before the Lord in prayer, and then began to pray over the various needs that were there. And 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 how God provided, but but ultimately what He said was, hey, if if you stay, the Lord is with you. If you go, the Lord is with you. But ultimately, you're going to have to make the decision. And here's the thing: never make a big decision on a bad day. That's what Pastor Bob shared. Never make a big decision on a bad day. And, and during times of anxiety and difficulty, definitely is not the time to make big decisions. Um, that's something I would add. Be careful. It's okay, the fruit of the Spirit, it's okay to be patient, waiting on the Lord, waiting for confirmation. Hey, ultimately, you're going to have to make the job, if to accept the job offer or not. Go ahead. Make that decision by faith. Now, maybe you're in a position where you have to pack your bags and move. You're going to have to make that decision. Uh, it's going to be by faith. And so you just know when the Lord has brought you to a place where you have decisions and they are not... You know, obviously not sin. God wouldn't bring you to a place of decision of sin, but here you are that either decision you make can please the Lord. Then you just, you're right there. You just have to step out in faith. Like Pastor Chuck Smith used to tell us take a venture of faith and step out and trust the Lord. How exciting!
0: That is very helpful. Thanks again. And friend, if you'd like to hear this again or share it with a friend, stop by AboundingGraceRadio.com. The message is titled, Rest Your Hope on Jesus. Well, here in the month of December, we picked out a timely resource we think you'll enjoy and get a lot out of. It would even make a great Christmas gift. It's called The Case for Christmas. So who was in the manger that first Christmas morning? Not everyone agrees on the answer to that, if he was the divine son of God, how do you know for sure? Well, Lee Strobel investigates in The Case for Christmas, and will send it to you when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. Please make your request by phone at 877 grace or order it online at calvaryco.store. Also remember that it's through your support that we're able to bring Abounding Grace to your radio station every day. With your help, countless thousands of people are hearing the truth of God's Word all over the nation and world at a time in human history where they really need to hear it too. We can be reached toll free at 877-30-GRACE or you can make a donation online at aboundinggraceradio.com. Set aside another half hour to join us tomorrow when we'll dig deeper into 1 Peter with Pastor Ed Taylor here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace.